Welcome, Traveler's Blueprint community. I am Elliot Shibley, and with me, is, as always, is the ecumenical Robert Demena. Each week, we like to bring you guests that range from travel enthusiasts, authors, digital nomads, conservationists, adventurers, tour guides, and occasionally, we bring you our own personal travel experiences. Can you repeat that word, please? Ecumenical. And what does that mean? So there's a few different... Uh, ways you can tie it into different things, but for the most part, it just means comprehensive, all-inclusive, all general, universal. Okay, that's a good one. I like that one. All right. This week, we talked with Thomas Carter, Federal Security Director of Newark Airport, a Category X airport, and two spoke airports in the state of New Jersey, accommodating more than 30 million passengers per year. Mr. Carter joined TSA at its inception by transferring from the Federal Aviation Administration after the horrific events of 9-11. And while with the FAA, he served as transportation security specialist working to ensure security of the air cargo, uh, hazardous materials. He now manages a budget in excess of $77 million, and he oversees uh, the government contract as part of TSA's screening partnership program. It, it, he, I loved this conversation. It was a cool take on travel, talking about sort of uh, an essential part of it that most people sort of glance over. No yeah, one really thinks to, yeah, absolutely. Takes for, take for granted is a good way to put it. This conversation was tons of fun. We learned a lot, uh, very so insightful. Much. Thomas was a great guest and he just, he just gave us so much information. So I think where you're really going to like this one. And I think you're really going to leave the episode with a new found appreciation for the TSA. Before we get into the conversation, the travel tip of the week is to download offline maps of your chosen country before you leave. So you have those to navigate once you're there. And in the event you don't have service, you have that those maps saved on your phone. We, Elliot and I both do that. I kind of make him do it more than me. He's sort of the navigation guy, but uh, it, it's invaluable once we're, once we're there. Uh, and that's it. So lastly, before we get into the show, just check out some of the cool things that we offer. The Traveler's Blueprint offers a travel journal and planner that is available for $7.99 on our website. It is a PDF, so you can fill it out online or in paper, and it is completely reusable. We also offer a Become Your Own Travel Agent five-part video tutorial. Part one is navigation, two is booking airfare, three blogs, research, and reviews, four itinerary building, and five safety, cultural norms, and thoughtful travel. You can find that on our website, and it is $25. We also offer travel consulting. So for more information on that, go to our website and feel free to send us a DM on social media or an email. Lastly, you can join us. And if you want to, you can you can be a part of our travel around table series. That's where we sit down with a group of, of travelers. Send us your email with your name, your website and a few travel related topics that you enjoy discussing. And we will get back to you. Welcome to the Traveler's Blueprint. Start designing your next adventure. Thomas, welcome to the Traveler's Blueprint podcast. Oh, thank you for having me, guys. It's great to be here with you. We got to say, this is the first time we've had anyone from the TSA on the episode. We're very excited to talk to you. You are the Federal Security Director at Newark for the TSA. And we've been following the TSA social media pages for a while now, and they run very well, oftentimes very funny. And as travelers and as a travel podcast, we felt it was up to us to actually discuss some of the things that you guys do, some of the misconceptions, challenges with the TSA. So thank you for joining us. And I guess the first question we have for you is a little bit about you and how you got into your job at the TSA. Well, listen, thanks again for having me, first of all. You know, I think it's great that you uh, guys have this uh, cognizance of the TSA and the travel experience and how important it is and to have us on here is appreciated. So I appreciate the opportunity. Um, but really, uh, the federal security director position, um, it kind of goes back to my growing up as a kid, if you can believe it or not. Uh, I, I was bitten by the aviation bug early on, loved everything that flew, uh, airplanes, wanted to be an astronaut, the whole nine yards, <laughs> and uh, uh, of course, going to school. Uh, pursued aviation, studied aviation business, and I had the opportunity in college to work as an intern with the FAA and the Federal Aviation Administration. And I worked as an air traffic control assistant at John F. Kennedy International Airport Tower. And I was like, wow, this, you know, this is kind of what I want to do. Uh, but at the same time, I also wanted to kind of do something where I could give back uh, and help people. And um, 
Unfortunately, the FAA thing didn't really work out. It was that time where they were hiring back all the controllers that were uh, let go during the strike issues in the 80s. And so they said, hey, here's, here's 500 bucks, kind of good luck. And so <laughs> uh, it was kind of a bummer, but uh, I pressed on and I got a job in the private sector for a couple of years. And that's kind of where I uh, was uh, kind of awakened to this opportunity to consider uh, pursuing my love for aviation, but all at the same time help people. And kind of that's where the nexus between the security end of it came in. Okay. And so I was exposed to that in this private company, helping airports uh, put together some security plans. Uh, and then lo and behold, I was able to get on with the FAA sometime later in civil aviation security. And I worked in that capacity for a while until the horrific events of 9-11. And uh, being a kid from Brooklyn, uh, it was very, very personal to me. And when I had the opportunity to jump over to TSA, it was a no-brainer. And uh, so I went over to TSA to focus on that mission of preventing that from ever happening again. And so I uh, continued along the, the TSA lines uh, at JFK Airport uh, in the compliance realm, air cargo security, and um, transitioned down to headquarters uh, to, to Washington, D.C. area, became a program manager down there for compliance and, and air cargo security and explosive detection canines. And um, a few years later, I had the opportunity to come up here to Newark as the deputy director. And I was uh, very honored to be selected for that position, served there for a little while, um, and then became the federal security director. I've been there now uh, for almost 11 years at Newark Airport, overseeing operations in the, in the uh, state of New Jersey. So that's wow. kind of around the way how I got there. All right. Yeah, that's, that's incredible. Can I? So, so can I talk about 9-11 for a second? Um, <clears throat> uh, this might be an ignorant question. So what was the, the organization prior to 9-11? Did it exist as the TSA? Obviously not like the logistics and the operation changed significantly from that day. But what was security like pre-9-11, obviously compared to post-9-11? Yeah, you know, it's a great question. And um, the Federal Aviation Administration uh, under the Department of Transportation is the federal agency that was responsible for civil aviation security prior to 9-11. And, you know, the thing that was the major difference uh, in the cre uh, creation of the TSA was the FAA had a dual role of safety and security, as well as kind of even a, a tertiary role of, um, you know, sponsoring aviation and, and its growth and development and enhancement. Um, and so after 9-11, uh, the powers that be in government basically said, hey, you know what, we need an agency just to take on the security task. And so the TSA was formed. And initially, we actually were under the Department of Transportation. Soon after, uh, with the Aviation Transportation Security Act and some follow-on legislation, the Department of Homeland Security was created. And TSA was the agency that went under there, as well as a bunch of others. Um, so... Uh, really, the real change was uh, it's it's the primary focus of TSA mm -hmm. um, is, is transportation security, not only aviation, but transportation security. Okay. Wow. Yeah, I guess I Where, never knew that. I always associated TSA with uh, aviation, but it's you're saying it actually covers other forms of transportation. Does that include ground yeah. and maybe freight? Uh, absolutely. Shipping? Even pi pipeline, uh, um, oh, wow. all modes of transportation. And of course, you know, when people hear TSA, they think of the men and women in blue at the airport. Mm -hmm. uh, but uh, really, honestly, the, the vast landscape of TSA, um, the, the, the blind share of it is beyond the airport, believe it or mm -hmm. not. Um, the ground transportation realm, the cyber realm, the pipeline realm is well beyond the airport. And although we're most visible at the airport, we have tremendous responsibility as an agency to secure transportation in all modes, which is surface, um, as I said, you know, mass transit, you know, freight rail, light rail, uh, busing, uh, and things of that nature. Okay, wow. that's, that's really cool. Yeah. That's fascinating, I didn't know that. And, and again, Thomas, where were you working when 9-11 occurred? Yeah, I was in a, what they called a, uh, Transportation Security Specialist or a Special Agent with the Federal Aviation Administration at JFK Airport. And uh, that's where I was working um, on, wow. on that day. Wow. So wow. that really hit home. Yeah. My, my, my dad was there in working in New York City on 9-11, and he was watching uh, the smoke from the first tower uh, and saw the second plane hit in person. I was, I was oh, 14 wow. at the time, and my dad came home. He was one of the people that was ferried off the island, came home covered in in uh, soot, it was a pretty, you know, uh, sobering experience for me as a as a kid, thirteen yeah. year old. Yeah, 
Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I mean, yeah, we 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 don't really need to go into. I guess. Wow, wow, man, what a job to have during that event. Uh, I I I couldn't really, I can't really imagine. Um, and so and so obviously over the next twenty years, the TSA continued uh, to evolve. Um, new threats. So, can you explain to us what it is that you do now as the federal security director of the TSA? Sure. So the federal security director is pretty much the senior TSA official for security operations for a particular area of responsibility. So, for instance, my area of responsibility is the state of New Jersey. And so, uh, uh, although my most of my time, as you can imagine, is at Newark Liberty International, it's one of the largest uh, airports in the United States, busiest, one of the busiest. Um, I do also oversee operations at uh, Trenton Mercer County and Atlantic City International Airport down south. Okay. And of course, we have um, significant, as I mentioned, you know, um, compliance regulatory oversight of, of the surface transportation realm. Mm-hmm. So pretty much all of that in, in our area responsibility uh, here, here in the state of New Jersey. So an <laughs> FSD could, could it just have, you know, one airport, uh, for instance, my counterpart over at JFK, that's a big enough operation that, you know, he only has that one airport. Uh, but then there are other FSDs that oversee a statewide operation. Uh, such as uh, such as us in New Jersey. So along with, with a fantastic team that I have, you know, we oversee uh, obviously the passenger baggage screening. That's the mm-hmm. most visible. But we have a very robust regulatory compliance group. Our inspectors actually go out and assess compliance with transportation security regulations. So they'll work with airlines, airport operators, uh, freight forwarders, uh, flight schools. Uh, we have a, a, a very large explosive detection canine program. Uh, we have explosive specialists. That help us resolve alarms that we detect at baggage checkpoints uh, and, and, and passenger checkpoints, um, and of course, you know everything that supports that. Right, we have a very large mission support staff. You know, the back office kind of, you know, if you will, like the HR people, budget, finance, all that 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 kind of feeds that operation each day. So that's kind of what the FSD does. It's kind of that that uh, lead person over that whole operation. All right, that's, that's quite the task. That's exactly what I was going to say. <laughs> Um, and yeah, and so like you said, so people, travelers specifically, only see and identify the TSA on like a very surface level. You see the people yeah. that um, scan the bags, take your passport, take your license and all those things. Right. And I, I don't feel as though you get a good uh, rep. You know, I feel like a lot of people see your organization as a hindrance to the travel where I think I could speak for, for Elliot and myself. To me... Going through TSA is part of the travel experience. I sort of account for it mentally, at least, that I'm going to have to go through these processes. I respect the process. I understand it. And and I want it to exist. Um, and so I account for it. And so when I go in and say, yes, I could be stuck in a line for X amount of time due to this, uh, when I am stuck in the line for whatever it is, I, okay, you know, let me, let me just go through right. the motion mm-hmm. and, and get through it. What are some of, uh, beyond people uh, just, being mad at you, uh, and, and I have a theory that they're probably just mad people in general. Uh, you know, you're just the focal point of their madness in that particular moment. Uh, what are some some of the other challenges that TSA faces on an either daily or annual basis? Yeah, no, it's a great question, and you know, I, I don't think necessarily people are mad at TSA. I honestly believe that. I just think, as you said it uh, very aptly, it, it's a hindrance when you're when you're traveling. It's about freedom, right? It's about movement. And it's about, you know, your focus on the destination. I know you guys are, are avid travelers and, you know, I've listened to some of your podcasts and, and heard about some of the places you go. And, and that, that's kind of what you're thinking about, right? You're not thinking about, you know, someone trying to kill you on the way there. Right. Uh, <laughs> and that's kind of where TSA comes in, right? So, and we have to, we have to set forth procedures to, you know, kind of, uh, you know, put it bluntly, prevent, you know, that kind of thing from happening. And so it is a hindrance. And, um, but it's a necessary thing and it's something that is there to, um, help uh, protect people and help them to, to be free and mm-hmm. to do the things like, like you guys like to do. And so, um, that in and of itself is, is just a nature of the business that we, we work at, you know, uh, overcoming through respect and just kind of staying focused on that mission. Mm-hmm. Uh, but there are a lot of challenges out there. And I can just tell you the threat environment, um, is very dynamic. It changes constantly. The adversaries are very savvy. Um, you know, the historical terrorist, uh, is, is just not the only thing we worry about. You know, um, the 9-11 style attacks where uh, an airplane could be taken over, obviously a concern, you know, improvised explosive devices, which can be pretty much concealed in anything, mm-hmm. extraordinarily difficult to detect. Um, 
and it expands from there. You have a huge cyber uh, um, playing field now where uh, there's a concern about how that can impact transportation, how, how we're so uh, online in the travel industry now. Um, you look at things like unmanned aerial systems. A couple of years ago, people would be like, what is that? And now we have drones that can be flying around airport environments. And TSA is one of the lead agencies in, in trying to address that concern. Uh, and you look at, you know, uh, even within our own midst, you know, uh, in our own backyard, there's these homegrown violent extremists that are now right here in our own country. It's not just folks who are coming from overseas or projecting their rhetoric from overseas. You have people right here in our own midst doing that. And so that's a challenge. Uh, and so these are all the things that we we work on every day. And those are some of the dynamics that we face. Um, another dynamic I, I would mention is, you know, security versus efficiency, right? And security versus not being a hindrance. And, you know, I, I can share with you that, you know, we can put together uh, and, and deploy an array of security that's impenetrable. We yeah. absolutely can. But probably 50 planes will take off a day at a Newark airport <laughs> if that was the case. And so yeah. we have this challenge of balancing that and, and providing security that is extraordinarily good, um, but at the same time being as a little of a hindrance on folks as we can. And so that, that's a, I wouldn't necessarily call it a challenge, although it can be challenging. It's a dynamic that we deal with. And, you know, we work through those things with technology and constantly changing our procedures uh, and working with our stakeholders to provide a lot of feedback on that stuff. Interesting. Okay. Um, and I, I guess the, one of the questions we had in here is the primary goal of the TSA is obviously safety. And, uh, part of that is efficiency and making that balance occur. And Bob and I experienced it, as Bob said, t the TSA is most visible to the public as the, the people in blue at airports, where at, even though there's a vast majority of the TSA that is behind the scenes, that still is not directly impacting us, but it is an indirect impact on a near daily basis to everyone. Um, and I guess the question I have is, is besides the, the challenges that you've listed, um, what are some of the things in, in the recent years that have made your job at the TSA, or I guess made the process a little bit more efficient and safer? What are the, some, I guess a lot of that is to do with technology. No, I mean, that's a fantastic point. And technology um, is and will continue to be, you know, uh, one of the greatest solutions that we have uh, to that whole dynamic of efficiency and security. You know, we're working on deploying a lot of new technology, such as computed tomography. X-ray is basically where we can taking a, a CT scan of bags. Uh, we've had this in the, in the baggage screening environment for a while. Now we're deploying it out there actively into the checkpoint, which is which is great. Um, and, and that quality and detection capability in, in this technology is going to eventually allow passengers to keep more things in their bag. Like one of the things that people hate most, right, is divesting everything. Take this out, take that out, electronics larger than a cell phone, put it in the bin, nothing on top or below. And, you know, we can get to a time where you can kind of keep that in your bag because the, tech, the detection technology that we have is just so good. It's going to make the process more efficient. And so okay. we are uh, very much so uh, heavily engaged in technology. Biometrics, uh, you're going to see that continue to be deployed in a great um, manner uh, across TSA uh, to help identify uh, who people are. Uh, limit touching, which is a huge, huge benefit, in, especially in the COVID environment, mm -hmm. uh, where you can limit that type of touching um, and also speed things up. So uh, there's a lot coming down the pipe on that. Uh, we've got a lot of great pilots on the way now. And the CT technology is already out there in our checkpoints, and it's just going to continue to go. I know one of the things that can make things faster for individuals that want to move through security checkpoints is getting TSA pre-check. And it's something that I've looked into, and it, I guess two or three years ago, I may have considered it. And then once COVID hit, I was like, all right, maybe <laughs> maybe I don't need it right now. So can you tell us a little bit about what TSA pre-check is, how you get it, and what it does for you? Yeah, it's, it's, first of all, it's a terrific program. And, uh, for $85, uh, you can get approved in TSA pre-check for five years. Uh, and basically what it does is it allows you to, uh, be given an expedited screening experience. And the whole reason for that is just as the name implies, you are pre-checked. Uh, so once you apply for pre-check, you fill out an application, you get a quick interview, you provide some information about yourself and you, you're checked against various uh, databases, watch lists, and intelligence-based information that we have. And you're validated as a, a low-risk individual. 
okay. uh, who presents a, a low risk to the transportation network. And because of that, we have a high degree of confidence that um, you know, uh, we can provide uh, a much more expedited screening experience for those individuals. And so uh, there's lanes that are dedicated to TSA PreCheck. And so uh, you go to that lane. Once you have that, the, once you buy your ticket, it automatically will come up. Um, you'll be issued a known traveler number, a KTN, and it'll be uh, posted on your boarding pass and you'll be able to process through a PreCheck lane. And what's the benefit? Well, you keep your shoes on, you keep your light outermost garment on, uh, you can keep your belt on, you can keep your 311 compliant uh, liquids, gels, and aerosols in, in your bag. Um, and you can process through uh, the screening checkpoint uh, with tremendous efficiency. And, you know, in TSA, our goal is to get you through a pre-check lane in, in, in five minutes or less. And I'd say wow. close to 100% of the time, you know, 95 to 100% of the time across the country, in those dedicated pre-check lanes, you're getting through um, in, in five minutes or less. Um, and so wow. it's a great program. And not only does it help the uh, the passenger, right, who applies for that, because, hey, you're going to get through quicker, but it also helps TSA. And, and it helps TSA do our mission. And the reason that it does that is it allows us to focus on those we know uh, less about. And those are the people that are, quote, unquote, you know, uh, not that high confidence group that, you know, that we, we know more about, such as your pre-checkers. And so you're actually helping the mission and you're helping security uh, by letting us focus on those that we know less about. And, and it actually helps that matter too. I had never looked at it from that side of things because I know it, it makes it way easier for the traveler, but I didn't realize it would make it more efficient. And it makes sense now that yeah. you've explained it. Yep. Huh. All right. Yeah. What's the difference between uh, TSA PreCheck and the Global Pass? Is global entry is is kind of like the customs and border protection um, okay. aspect of pre-check. It's more for your uh, international arrival back into the country. If you have global entry, you're going to be treated as a low-risk person, and you're going to be able to process through your uh, international arrivals, your customs check, uh, much more quickly. Uh, but we are connected. Uh, we use very similar information. And um, if you have global entry, you, you're pretty much going to be able uh, to process with pre-check as well. Okay. okay. Are they exclusive of each other? Do you need to have both or is TSA PreCheck primarily for the United States? Global entry would be for, I guess, international travelers. Um, they are kind of uh, different, but they are connected in the back end on the, on the Intel side, uh, inside of TSA and CDP. Okay. We're both DHS agencies, so we, we have the opportunity there to share that information. Uh, global entry is primarily for your international arrivals and processing through in, a, in an expedited manner. Uh, but if you have global entry, you're going to get pre-checked because we kind of rely on that same kind of known traveler number, that KTN. All right. And so they are connected in the back end, but you don't have to have both. Uh, you can just go and get pre-checked. Or if you get global entry, uh, you, you're, you're most likely going to be approved for pre-check as well. Okay. Nice. Right. Good to know. Yeah, All right. Good let's, get into, let's get into some of the juicy stuff. All and, right. Uh, I wanna, so, and, and this is essentially a snowball link from the TSA Instagram page. It's hilarious, and I'm, I'm, I'm often shocked by some of the items people <laughs> attempt to bring through the security process. Um, can you tell us some of your, your personal experiences where people either purposely or accidentally brought through items that were either hilarious or maybe scary? Yeah, you know what? I mean, we could probably spend the, the entire podcast talking about that. Uh, and, you know, you know, sometimes when I'm out and, and people ask me what I do, and the first question they'll ask is, hey, what's the craziest thing you've seen? And you, know, <laughs> right. you can go across the gamut, right? You know, it's an international airport at Newark. You have people flying all over the world. There's some things you can't get in other parts of the world that if you're here, you're going to try to bring back with you. Mm. Uh, we've seen uh, Briggs and Stratton engines. Uh, generators in people's bags uh, with gasoline. Uh, we've seen, um, you know, uh, we've seen all sorts of uh, items, tools, uh, uh, automobile parts, uh, things that you would not expect the average traveler to have in their carry-on. Like you don't need, you know, your strut or your shock in, in, in the uh, in the cabin of the aircraft. But you know, these folks are legitimately just trying to bring things back. And so we see, you know, uh, things like that. You know, uh, I'd even say we've seen the kitchen sink, the kitchen sink parts. You know, it's not even an exaggeration to, to say that. Um, so we've seen we've seen some stuff. Uh, and, you know, the thing that really is is the scary part is the firearms. Um, yeah. You know, last year, PSA set the record. And, um, you know, what's more, you know, 
crazy about the record we set last year is that it was in the midst of a pandemic when the volume was down. And so 5,972 firearms were detected uh, at the checkpoints in, 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 the, in the last year. And 80% wow. of those were loaded. And so um, you kind of scratch your head about that one. Um, you know, that, that's a tough thing. Um, there was actually an incident in Atlanta um, not too long ago where um, in the process of screening one of those bags that had a firearm, it went off. And Whoa. thank God uh, no one was injured, but it's a dangerous situation. How does, and, that, uh, how does we, that happen? The, if, like, um, is that just like poor, lo- poor placement in the bag? Well, you know, it, it's, it's a loaded firearm. Um, you, you know, you, you, can, uh, you can have that uh, firearm be dis- discharged if, if it's, you know, kind of uh, jostled around. And in this situation, the individual um, was uh, realized that they, you know, were getting caught here and they tried to, you know, gain control of it. Um, but the bottom line is, you know, we, we, we want people not to bring their firearms to the checkpoint, especially, um, you know, loaded firearms. And, Absolutely. you know, one of the common things we hear is, oh, I forgot that was in my bag. And that is the number one excuse. Uh, and so that, that's kind of a concern when, you know, uh, people know where their toothbrush is, they know where their wallet is, they know where their car keys or their boarding pass, but, you know, they don't know where your, your loaded firearm is. And so that's kind of one of the things that uh, is always the head scratcher out there. You know, we, we at Newark Airport, uh, I think our number last year was 14 firearms. And, and that's a state that has some pretty, pretty extensive gun laws. Um, so it is a concern. Uh, a lot of times we'll also hear, oh, someone else packed my bag. And so these are the kind of challenges that, that we that we see there with that. And so um, ammunition, uh, we see a lot of ammunition as well. And, you know, one of the things that I think about oftentimes with this, you know, when, when I go to the airport, I fly like everyone else and, you know, you want to be traveling light, right? You don't want to have big, heavy bags. You can't wait to get your check bags dropped off so you can just worry about your carry on and any extra weight in there, you know, kind of hurts your shoulder, right? You're going up yeah. escalators in and out of Ubers, you know, you're navigating queue lines and, you know, um, ammunition is heavy, <laughs> And so, you know, when you have like some nine millimeter rounds, like 36 rounds of nine millimeter is over a pound. Um, you know, a standard rifle, hunting rifle, 308 caliber, um, you know, uh, 29 rounds is a pound. So when you start getting 30, 40, 50 rounds, which we've seen in carry on bags, that's heavy. And so it's kind of, you scratch your head about, you know, I didn't know that was in my bag. Well, you were carrying it around all that time. And so that's the kind of things we see. And, um, you know, uh, it, it's a concern and we continue to try to outreach to folks. And, 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 and uh, we, we, as you see in the Instagram accounts, we try to advertise this stuff. Hey, you know, don't bring these to, to the checkpoint. You know, start yeah. with an empty bag. It's one of the best tips we can give people. Just make sure you, you check, take that double check uh, to make sure that you're, you're not bringing any other prohibited items into the checkpoints. Yeah. What happens to the individual that comes with a loaded firearm and, you identify it. Uh, you call police, I believe, right? And then do, do people just accept, oh, you know, sorry, I forgot that I had this loaded handgun in my bag and they just get to go home or do they continue on their trip? How does that work? You know, it's a great question. And, and really the, the answer is it varies on the, on the, uh, the location of the airport mm-hmm. because the gun laws are, are different in each state. Okay. Um, okay. I can tell you here in New Jersey, uh, unless you are a uh, law enforcement officer or have a very legal means to have that firearm, you, you're going to be um, placed under arrest. Other locations where it's it's legal to have that, just not through a checkpoint. Of course, TSA will follow up with with a civil penalty action and an enforcement action on, on that individual, but they will be otherwise released out to go and secure that firearm. Uh, and sometimes they'll come right back to the checkpoint and, and, and process on their way. So it really depends on the laws of the state. Okay. Yeah. But it is an excellent partnership uh, with law enforcement. Uh, and I can say here in New Jersey, we have we have wonderful partnerships uh, with all law enforcement uh, uh, partners and they, and they do a great job. Hmm. Yeah, I don't know. I've been thinking about this. I don't know what's worse. The actual willfully bringing a firearm, even though you know it, it can't go through a checkpoint or forgetting you had it in there <laughs> i i, I think you, you know yeah. you, you raise a great point and and you know uh you mentioned earlier about some of the misconceptions with tsa and if i could just kind of dovetail into that for a second yeah, yeah you know, let's do it you, you hear you hear tsa you know a lot of times the the, the naysayers of tsa will say you know oh tsa never caught a terrorist been around you now our anniversary was just last year 20 years you've never caught a terrorist 
And, you know, I, I like to retort to that by saying, you know what, TSA is not just there to catch terrorists. We are there to prevent people from becoming terrorists. So think about it. Yeah. 5,972 guns last year. And you tell me every single one just forgot it was in their bag. Yeah. Right. Really? Wow. I mean, you know, and then you right. go back the other 20 years, 4,000 guns a year, 3,000, 5,000 guns a year, uh, probably, you know, tens and tens of thousands of firearms over the, the history of TSA alone. And every single one of those forgot it was in their mm -hmm. bag. They had no other intent. And so they weren't able to get on that aircraft with that gun uh, and conduct potentially an act of terrorism because TSA stopped them. Wow. And so uh, I, I think it's really important to kind of stress this point. We just don't stop people uh, who are terrorists. We prevent them from becoming terrorists. And yeah. so kind of that way it looks like, oh, you never caught one. Yeah. And that, that's kind of the nature of the business. You know, we kind of have to just deal with that because – when the day goes by and, and no one dies going from point A to point B uh, in transportation, then that's a good day for us. And it's yeah. kind of, uh, you know, oh, what's, what's TSA really doing? And so yeah. I think it's really important to understand in the background there that, that uh, we are really protecting this transportation network and its users. I think and, that's and a only, really, yeah. Yeah. And only, only God really knows how many terrorists we stop. And, exactly. And, you know, if, if we were in a society where a known or suspected terrorist could actually just buy a ticket and come to the airport and say, hey, I'm going to go to Disneyland and see Mickey Mouse, um, I don't think we'd be in a good spot. And of course, we are not in that spot. We're in, a, we're in a much better spot. And so it's not just that known or suspected terrorists can just show up at, at a checkpoint and, and fly. Yeah. Uh, and so uh, I think, you know, when you just look at that firearm perspective and, and, and as you said about, about, the, about the, you know, the scary things we see, how many of those actually really stop uh, a disaster? It, it's it's an, it's an incredible thing when you think about it. Yeah. And I think the perception of that is always so hard to actually like yeah. see. Uh, I would love to see. You're right, so, Bob. <laughs> Elliot, I think you, uh, your your audio and video kind of froze on this. I don't know if it was Bob. Go ahead. Oh, I was, I was just going to say the perception of that is is exactly right, Thomas. Like it doesn't seem that people don't see that we stopped them because there is no way to tell if we actually stopped them because the fact that it just didn't happen is exactly is saying enough and exactly. nothing happening is always what we want so the fact that we don't hear from the TSA too much anymore is actually kind of nice that's good to know yeah i mean you hit it on the head that's exactly it and you know, um, that happens every day across across the, the, the country. Sometimes at a place like, you know, Atlanta, they can get three guns by nine o'clock in the morning. And, you know, when you when you think about that and, and you look at that and you extrapolate that out over the entire system in this threat environment, um, I'm, I'm not a mathematician or, or a statistician, but I'm sure the probability is in there that in the last 20 years, someone had some malicious intent that we stopped. Oh, man. Yeah. I mean, if you just look at gun violence in the United States, what would stop it from happening on an airplane in addition to everywhere else if they yeah. were capable, if that was possible? Yep. You know, um, wow. Wow. That's, so that's I, really interesting. I want to, and this may be a, this is a, probably a tough question, but it's uh, asked and I think it's, people just say it. And I don't know, when since we actually have a TSA representative, um, there's some discussion that TSA profiles people and then pulls specific individuals off even though they it is claimed that it's random can you talk a little bit about that yeah sure i mean absolutely up front right off the bat and uh, we, we don't profile anybody and uh, you know i direct this workforce in this state and there is absolutely no direction to profile anyone um we're looking for bad people and um, that's all and uh, we do have a lot of randomness in our security procedures and some of it is completely electronic as you progress through for instance to walk through metal detector there is an algorithm in there that it will just alarm on uh the x passenger that we see and that passenger is selected uh, for additional screening okay uh, and quite honestly just to kind of share this with you even even crew members pilots flight attendants who can go through a, new, a program that we have called known crew member where we just have to validate their ID and they don't have to be screened because obviously they're super low risk. They're actually flying the aircraft. Mm -hmm. uh, even they are pulled aside for random screening. And, and I, I can tell you that um, people don't like that when it happens. And no. right away they kind of look at, well, why is this happening to me? You must be profiling me. And, and I think really that's the genesis of it is just a lot of frustration. 
that, okay, I got selected. Oh, and I always get selected. I, I could tell you my wife gets selected all the time. I travel <laughs> with her and, and she, you know, I, I, I've been oftentimes where, um, I'm waiting her on the, on the sterile side and she's looking at me like, why don't you do something about this? <laughs> and I actually like to watch to make sure that they're, they're patting her down correctly. And I'm like, oh, they did a good job, man. They, they, they really did the throw pat down there. And she kind of laughs. Great. Yeah. <laughs> um, but some, you know, she seems to get selected all the time and, um, it, it's, it's, it's random. Uh, there is absolutely no profiling in there at all. Um, I'm a hundred percent confident in that. And quite honestly, I wouldn't tolerate anything else other than that. You know, we're not looking for um, any particular uh, person by what they look like. Uh, we are looking for the bad guy. And as yeah. I said before, the, the threat dynamic is so different now. And with, with homegrown violent extremists, they look like me, they look like you. Mm-hmm. Um, profiling wouldn't work anyway. Yeah. So it really is something that we don't do. And I understand when folks get selected, they are frustrated. Uh, but I could tell you as a security professional, technology, all that is great. The random nature, doing things different when, when the bad guys don't know when it's going to happen. It could happen at any time. You could do it here. You could do it there. You could do it for this long, this short. That's one of the things that, that cause them to constantly be on their toes and, and, and have to do things differently. And so it is, it is a fundamental and very, very critical aspect of any security array. Okay. Yeah. I know they're with social media being accessible anywhere and your cell phone being able to record anything. I think there's a lot of instances where someone will post something and say, this is racial profiling from the TSA, but there is a psychology term called confirmation bias. And essentially where you get new evidence of something that confirms your existing theory that that's it, but there's no actual reason to believe, or there's no evidence in the greater scheme that actually points to that. And and look, you know, here's one other thing I'll submit, you know, the TSA contact center is an outstanding resource to folks that they feel uh, that something has not gone right. And they feel like any one of their rights or uh, privileges are being uh, uh, restricted in any way. They can reach out to that TSA contact center and they can file a complaint. And I can tell you as a director, I get them personally. Each, each of my counterparts at their airport gets them personally, and we look into every single one. Okay. And so um, that is another uh, uh, redress there for folks if they feel that there's an issue. And so they should definitely take advantage of that. Yeah, that's great to know. Yeah. Uh, so what are some additional misconceptions that you've dealt with at the TSA, especially as the uh, security director? Well, I think that that whole thing about we never caught a terrorist is, uh, uh, <laughs> you know, probably the most significant one. You know, I think the misconception other than that is you're just at the airport and you're just, you know, passenger baggage screening. You know, we have a, an immense array. Uh, we have a very capable transportation security inspectors that go out there uh, and, and oversee regulations. Uh, and quite honestly, when you look at, you know, the security mechanism, Passenger bagging screening is really just one small part. It's the most visible. Uh, but when you look at every airline, they all have to have security programs. Uh, every airport has to have security programs. And all of those are inspected by our inspectors. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so we are, we're not just at the airport. You know, we are getting much more involved in cybersecurity now, uh, pipeline security. ESA is taking lead roles um, in ensuring uh, um, the transportation network is secure from those types of attacks. Um, unmanned aerial systems. You people would never yeah. really believe or think that TSA is engaged with that. Well, we are heavily one of the lead agencies in that. And so I think there's a misconception that TSA just does this one thing. You know, we are multimodal and all of those things are very, very important. Okay. Does TSA deal with individuals say, I, I know there have been a few stories over the past decade or so pointing lasers at pilots? Absolutely. Uh, that's just one of the things to add in there. You know, fortunately, lately, we've seen less of that. I'm not going to say they've gone away. Um, it seems like we've transitioned now from the lasers to the drones. Okay. And so now we're dealing with uh, with drones. And, um, you know, uh, those are definitely things that we, we have to take a look at. They can interfere and disrupt the transportation network. And, and when you're causing a pilot uh, to take a face of action, you know, that's that's something that we don't want to have to happen. And so we work very, very closely with other federal agencies, local, state, federal law enforcement uh, to to work on those issues. Okay. Do you know anything about the current 5G uh, back 
5G issue with the aviation process associated with like yeah, you know what it's not really it's not really TSA related but as an yeah, easy okay, issue, I'm well, sorry. I, I can <laughs> I'm sorry yeah. you know, there's there's certain uh, aircraft that have uh, a radar altimeter um, or type of radar altimeter and the concern was that this super high power capable 5G cell phone service would interfere with that obviously that would be a concern uh, and so I really commend um, the cell phone companies and the providers and the FAA and the airlines for really working together on this to make sure people are safe because that's what it's all about. I think everyone would love better cell phone service, but I think everyone wants to also be able to know that their pilot can control that aircraft correctly uh, as they go through these areas. And so I think it's going to get worked out. It's already starting to 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 uh, work in that manner. Um, so it's not really a TSA issue, but I think that's that's pretty much the crux of it. Okay. Yeah. All right. Good to know. Yeah. Um, so yeah. I so I I used to work um I I used to work security at a nuclear power plant down in Salem Hope Creek. I don't know if you're familiar with it. It's in New Jersey. Uh, it is called the Salem Hope Creek Nuclear Power Plant. I did armed security there. I was technically like an armed officer, so I was armed. And sometimes I would man the security checkpoints, and I would do the actual screening process of people's bags as they came to work. Uh, people much smarter than me, like literally like nuclear engineers and stuff. So, um, and, uh, and, and I also, um, so I checked the bags anyway. Yeah. So that's a really difficult thing to do. That's a skill that you have to learn over time, what to look for and how to identify certain items. You're able to switch the monitor to certain settings to see certain materials. Uh, can you, can you explain to us that process and what actually happens to people's bags as they sit there on the belt? And then also, uh, the puffer machine, which that, is that the real name? Is it called the puffer machine? <laughs> is that that's what I've heard it called? <laughs> what, is, what is the puffer well? Machine? I mean, the, the well, one that uh, bursts air on people, and it's essentially yeah. <laughs> looking for uh, um, explosive residue. Correct. Right. Yeah. So we right. had that well, we, at the nuclear power plant as well. So I would oversee that process, and sometimes people would set it off, and and then there was always rumors like, oh, someone was gardening and using certain fertilizers, it could trigger this explosive. Uh, detection this machine. So yeah, let's talk about those two things. I think. <laughs> right. Well, I mean, for, first of all, with, with with the puffer machines, I mean, you go in old school. There, uh, we we haven't used them in TSA in quite some time. Uh, we we've uh, transitioned we, oh, no, to yeah, you just the advanced the... imaging technology. Yeah, so yeah. the AITs, the advanced imaging technology, which kind of look for anomalies on the on the silhouette of the body, and any anomalies there would result in an alarm that re- would require further investigation. And so. The great thing about those is is that added additional security um, because they can detect both metallic and non-metallic um, concerns, which which is really a, a great thing. Um, yeah. Uh, in regard to the X-ray, you know, we have advanced technology X-rays now that um, can really uh, take good looks inside bags. Um, one of the key things that passengers can do to help us with this is to do that divesting. And I know a lot of complaints we get uh, from from passengers say, hey, you know, you got this officer standing up front constantly yelling, take this, do that, take this out of your bag, you know, no liquid gels, aerosols. But it's true. And the more of that that we can get out of that bag and separate out, the clearer the uh, image, as you saw, you know, working down there, you know, um, you want a clear image, right? You want to be able to see the threats in there. And so the less clutter you have in there, the better. And so that's why we ask people to do that. And, and it's actually very important. And so um, that's the main step on there. And so if the x-ray alarms, you know, the x-ray can tell the officer, hey, you should take a look at this. The officer can also select anything they want in there based on uh, their training and intelligence to to select items for, for screening. And then it goes to a property search officer. And then that property search officer has additional tools that can help them detect um, if explosives are present. Um, you know, we can test liquids, gels, aerosols. Um, if, if it escalates up, as I mentioned, we have explosive specialists that we can call in that can go do a, a more in-depth analysis. And the whole goal is that we will not leave a stone unturned uh, to make sure that those items are safe. And if there's any concern, you know, the items are not going to be allowed to go in and potentially even the person will not be allowed to go in. Okay. Um, and so really that's that's our goal. Um, we want to make sure that everything that goes beyond us into that sterile area deserves to be there and is safe enough to be there. And, um, you know, we, that's our obligation. You know, mm-hmm. our obligation is to not let everything in. Our obligation is to determine that what we do let in is safe. Right. And, and that's what we set out to do each and every day. I'm curious, with the increased 
availability of technology and with new autonomous learning systems or is the TSA implementing anything to help automate the screening process of the actual bags through x-ray or through the CT scans that can pick up different materials? Yeah, I mean, uh, artificial intelligence is going to be coming down the road right now. Um, it's developing very quickly. Uh, you know, right now, TSA is doing a lot in regard to technology deployment. Uh, we're doing it at the credential authentication right up there at the travel document checker where um, it's going to get to a point where it's almost uh, the passenger just engaging with with a system um, to check IDs and so on and so forth. Uh, we have automated lanes um, right now that are helping to uh, make things more efficient that are attached to the x-rays that help the, the bins move through in an automated fashion. Um, and I would imagine that artificial intelligence, which is already in use in a lot of the algorithms that help the machines learn threat items, uh, it's only going to become more prevalent for us as we go forward. And you know, one thing TSA, uh, I really have to say, we're doing a really, really good job on is investing in technology and in the future. And um, we have innovation task force that engage with industry, challenge industry to come up with solutions. And we're seeing a lot of good ideas come out. And I think really the future looks bright uh, for checkpoint efficiency, baggage efficiency. And it's only going to continue to get better with the technology coming out. Awesome. That's exciting. Yeah. That's, yeah. that's good news for travelers. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. So we've already touched up on this a little bit, things that could make the security process easier for travel. Do you have any additional comments on ways people can... The individual. Be more, yeah, the individual. Uh, absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. And, you know, one thing I want to, to call out here is, you know, I don't think the average passenger uh, customer coming through realizes the influence they have over the wait time. Yes, it's a TSA security checkpoint wait time, right? Um, but tremendous influence in, in, in the hands of the passenger just by how they pack, how they prepare. And so I can tell you that every passenger that comes to our checkpoint and forgets that bottle of water, uh, which is over 3.4 ounces in their carry-on bag, that can result in a three-minute bag check. Now, you extrapolate wow. that out over 50,000 passengers, 60,000 passengers a day at a, at a Newark Liberty International Airport, you can see how that exponentially increases the wait time. So absolutely, the passenger can do tremendous uh, amount of things to uh, improve the efficiencies at the checkpoint. Number one, um, you know, get the MyTSA app. It's a free app. You can download it. You can um, get wait time updates on there, and you can put in uh, whatever you have uh, in your home that you want to bring with you. You actually type it in to the search list, and it'll tell you if you can bring it in your carry-on or your check bag. Oh, uh, it nice. helps you prepare. Um, all sorts of good information on there about the TSA contact center, TSA cares, which is another great program. Um, so that's one thing I would ask and know the rules, right? You know, just do a little bit of research that my TSA app, uh, really helps with that. Know what the prohibited items are. So you don't put them in there. Um, you know, know what the three, the one, one compliant liquid gels and aerosols are. Uh, that's the number one cause for delays in the checkpoint. Constantly, constantly seeing liquid gels, aerosols over that amount. Uh, in the carry-on bags. Um, one other suggestion, start with an empty bag. When you are traveling, just don't go in the closet and grab the random bag that you used to go hunting yep. or that you <laughs> used to go to the gym or that your friend lets you borrow uh, because undoubtedly there's going to be something in there that you don't know is in there and it's going to be a problem. So yep. start with an empty bag. It doesn't take long before you leave the house. Just make sure the pockets are empty and then go from there. And then you know what you can put in and you know you're going to be uh, golden when you get to the checkpoint. Yeah. Um, you know, TSA PreCheck, we talked about that already. It's a huge program, $85. As you travel a couple times a year, you can get it down to, uh, you know, each flight costing, you know, less than a cup of coffee uh, at the airport. You know, really, when you think about it, depending on how many round trips you, you make. That's so um, nice. Arrive to the airport early, especially now in the, in the COVID environment. Um you know, uh, we're trying to keep people separated as best we can. Uh, the airports are trying to do that. Everyone's got masks on. You know, it's harder to talk and hear and uh, engage. And so it takes a little bit more time. So arrive early, you know, get there, give yourself enough time uh, to to process through and, and kind of, you know, uh, prepare for any potential delays that may come. Uh, and a lot of times we'll see people getting to the airport with minutes to spare. And then, of course, you know, they have a bottle of water in there and now they're concerned about missing their flight. And so we don't want that to happen. So I think those are all excellent uh, uh, suggestions. Make sure your pockets are empty. 
That's another thing we constantly see how many times people have to go through that walkthrough metal detector yeah. uh, three times. And, and then the third time they, you know, they get selected for random screening. And now they're just, <laughs> they're curious. So these are all kind of avoidable things, you know, tissues in your pockets can alarm. Um, that's how sensitive our equipment is. Uh, and mm -hmm. so um, keys, coins, uh, wallets, all that stuff. The best thing to do is just take all those things out, your cell phone, put them in your carry on. Um, so that they're in there secure, there's less touching, and they're not in your pockets. And so now you can process through the walkthrough a little bit easier. And as long as they're not, you know, larger than a, a cell phone, you can keep them in your carry-on bag uh, if they're electronic items. Uh, so those are some great suggestions that uh, that I would recommend to folks. It's just a few minutes of preparation, you know, before you leave your house can really, really influence the uh, wait time in a positive way. Yeah. yeah, not just for That's, you, but for everyone else in the line with you. Uh, absolutely, yeah. TSA's yeah. motto should be "Help us help you." Yeah. Uh, <laughs> so, like, and it all makes perfect sense. And it's something again that I think Elliot and I do try to practice and then preach on the podcast a little bit is to view the TSA process as part of your overall tra travel experience. Once you leave your home, you're traveling. You're not traveling once you get to your destination, and I think yep. it'll help you. Having that mindset will help you. Um, I I reserve a small pouch in my backpack in my carry-on for the things in my pocket so as i approach the line i put everything my phone my headphones all the things that i know i'm going to carry with me throughout the airport into this pouch it stays in there and then once i make it through the security process i take everything out of this one bag so i'm not fishing through my entire bag for these things i put my headphones in i put my wallet back in my pocket i grab my phone and i'm on my way and it yeah it, it's, it's a much easier easier process so yeah and there's another great program. Uh, it's called TSA Cares, and and a lot of times we'll we'll see folks who who come to the airport um, with disabilities or with family members with uh, special needs, and um, the security environment at the checkpoint can be very alarming to them. Or there's people that have medical devices that they must have with them. Mm -hmm. And this TSA Care program, uh, to me, is one of the most underutilized programs. Uh, it's a program where you call ahead and you tell TSA, hey. Um, I'm going to be coming with a medical device and I'm not sure what I have to do. And I'm, I'm very concerned about this or I have children, um, family members that I'm traveling with with special needs and, and they get concerned about crowds and so on and so forth. This program will actually allow us to assign what we call a passenger support specialist. These are specially trained officers that can literally meet the, the, the party at the curb and, and help escort them through uh, and navigate the screening process. And um, you'll be amazed that it's just not utilized as much as, as you would think it would. And, and I think the people who do use it uh, just think it's the most wonderful thing ever. And uh, it really, really helps in those sensitive situations that could otherwise result in a complaint or a real, con real concern issued by someone um, because we, we didn't know in advance. Mm -hmm. And they just did not have that support coming through. Mm. So again, the My TSA app has all this information on there. It's a simple phone number. You call up in advance of your flight, and we can assign one of these folks, and they actually meet you and they help you walk through the check the checkpoint. So I think that's another thing that folks in in, in those types of situations could really benefit from. That's awesome. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I I want to talk about actually being an employee at the TSA. Um, one, are there any travel perks for working at the TSA? Um, real, real, real quick answer to that. No, <laughs> um, you know, we, we, as I mentioned, we regulate, you know, the airports, the airlines. So it would be an unethical thing to have anything like that. So okay. there absolutely is, isn't any, the one perk you do get though, is, is, you know, you know, the inside and outs of, of, uh, TSA procedures. So you should yeah. be an expert coming to the checkpoint yeah, right. there when you do travel. So, right. And, and what type of person is best suited to be an employee with the TSA? You know, that's a great question. Um, we're in a people business, right? This is, this is, uh, undoubtedly a critical counterterrorism homeland security mission, but it's a people business. We, we, we support people. We, we, uh, secure people and we, we employ people to do that and it's very labor intensive. And so first of all, you need a people person. You need someone who likes to engage and enjoys that. Um, you know, we have core values in TSA, you know, um, integrity, respect, and commitment. Um, so you, we need someone who's going to join our team that, that embodies those, that respects others, that respects our authorities. You know, we can pat people down 
Uh, we're touching people in sensitive areas. We're going through their property sometimes when they're not looking uh, down in the baggage area. There's no passenger present there. So you have to have integrity. Uh, you have to bring that to the table and you have to have respect. Um, you know, sometimes people are traveling through with the remains of a deceased relative and they're just distraught. And now they're coming through a checkpoint. And obviously, you know, um, there's a screening process. And so we have to respect that. And other people going to weddings, funerals, they're going to close a big business deal. And we just have to have that cognizance that, yes, we are responsible for keeping these people safe, but we have to do it in a respectful way. Uh, commitment, you know, it's a tough business, 24 hours a day, seven days a week. I can tell you in my position, um, you know, um, Sunday dinner, you know, Christmas morning, the phone can ring and you're dealing with a security incident. So you need someone who's committed um, and, and you need that person with integrity and respect. And so I think those would be the key things. Um, uh, for someone to come in, uh, mission oriented, obviously this is not just your, your average job. Uh, this is a mission. And, and just like the, the bad guys have a mission to, to, to try to disrupt, uh, uh, our transportation network and, and cause havoc, you know, we have to counter that with mission focused people. And so those are the type of people that are going to excel and do great at PSA. All right. Yeah. It's, it's an incredibly, uh, admirable, admirable position. And, and I put you right up there with police officers and firefighters and, and nurses and, and yeah so thank you thank you for what you do uh, really appreciate everything uh regarding the security process at the airport it's something that i view as incredibly important so yeah yeah really and i'm gonna say, i'm gonna even add to that thank you for not having lots of news headlines <laughs> <laughs> right right yeah thank you for not being all over the news <laughs> yeah for preventing news headlines i should say right. yeah <laughs> right right you know, yeah, I, I appreciate you guys saying that. And again, you know, it's uh, just so cool to be on here with you. And again, I appreciate, you know, the savviness that you have to understand that, hey, TSA is there uh, behind the scenes, you know, influencing people's travel experience. And, uh, you know, we want to make sure we're doing that in a positive way. And so uh, I, I really appreciate the opportunities to speak and communicate about it, because I think the more understanding we clean out there, I think that the better things are going to go for folks as they come through and engage with TSA. Yeah, I think you provided a, a list of practical information that people can really start to uh, adopt their next trip. So yeah, I, I I I think Elliot and I both learned something. So yeah, yeah, that and uh, there's a, there's more transparency with the ability to communicate with the TSA now. There's, well, I guess absolutely. venues yeah. that I didn't know existed. Yeah, I, and I believe I know I know Thomas. You said that you can actually download the TSA app. Am I am I correct in saying that like the Twitter? If you like tag them in a Twitter post and say, can I bring makeup scissors on the airplane? They'll respond to you through Twitter and tell you whether that's correct. Yeah, oh, that's great. That's great. I and, mean, and they do that yeah. extraordinarily timely too. Um, you know, most hours of the day, they're going to respond very, very quickly. And we're actually even working now. Um, there was a new executive order from the president to, to help even improve customer service even more in federal government. One of the things TSA is doing in response to that is trying to create a real-time chat. Um, so you'll probably be seeing that in, in very near future where uh, you can engage in a chat with, with TSA folks okay. uh, as you're at the airport and ask questions almost in real time. And so uh, a, lot of, a lot of new initiatives coming around, uh, coming around that and that communication. That's great. Uh, one question I did have before we wrap things up, is there anything that uh, changed during COVID and will stay post-COVID? Yeah, you know, uh, COVID changed the world. And so the simple answer is yes. I mean, when you come to the checkpoint now and you have, if you haven't flown in the last two years, you're going to see something very different than what you were experienced in the past. You know, you're going to see acrylic barriers around all the TSA positions, um, you know, to protect the passenger, to protect us. Um, you're going to see masks. Uh, it is a federal mandate in the transportation network, whether you're on a plane, a bus, a train in, in a terminal. You have to wear a mask covering your nose and mouth. So everyone's got masks on. You're going to see enhanced cleaning going on, uh, disinfecting. Uh, you're going to see, um, you know, uh, just a lot of different things there at, at the checkpoint. Uh, you're going to see markings on the floor, uh, suggesting people kind of keep distance from each other, social distance in the best way they can. Uh, we've changed some of our procedures. Uh, for instance, we mentioned a lot here about liquid gels and aerosols. You are permitted now to bring hand sanitizer per person. Uh, that exceeds that 3.4 ounces, as long as it's hand sanitizer, so that you can you can you know help keep your hands clean and disinfect your, yourself. Um, I, I think that technology is going to play a bigger role in this. As we mentioned, uh, we're going to try to limit touching as much mm -hmm. as we can. 
Um, you're going to see that a lot initially at the travel document checker up front where we check your documents. There's going to be a lot more of an automated uh, process up there, and eventually it's going to get more so into the checkpoint itself. So I think even though, in a God willing, COVID will kind of subside and 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 move on from this uh, serious situation we're in right now, uh, but I think a lot of the lessons learned from that are going to maintain, and I think technology um, and and limiting touching are going to be a couple of those key things you're going to see in the future. All right, awesome. So one of the things that we uh, do on this podcast, and I don't think it was included in our email to you, we do rapid fire questions, and they are more tailored to uh, traveler. And I know you travel. So there's five questions, Bob and I alternate, and then we'll give you an opportunity to share some, uh, more information about the TSA. So first question is what is the first word that comes to your mind when you hear the word travel? Uh, I, I in my position, it's security. I, I guess it's just my mindset. Yep. And I expected uh, a different answer. <laughs> yep. <laughs> uh, question number two, what travel book has had the biggest influence on your life? Travel book? Book in general. Travel book or just book. Yeah. Well, you know what? The 9-11 Commission Report. Um, wow. uh, you know, and I would recommend that particularly for folks that uh, may not have been around uh, when that happened. And a lot of them are just frustrated when they see what we're doing at the checkpoint. And, and to go back to some of our early conversations, they see it as uh, a hindrance. Uh, but connecting why we do what we do um, is, is, to me, going to be a big help. And so that really, that really was a profound impact as, as the event itself was on me. Wow. All right. I, I, I need to read that. I, I actually have not read that myself. So yeah. Thank you for that recommendation. From these options, what aspects of travel have the biggest impact on your experiences? Environment or environment slash landscape, history, architecture, food, or people? Well, that's a great question. And, and um, you know, people certainly have influenced it. You know, there's been good and bad, right? You know, you've had uh, the terrorists and you have the people who just continue to try to move around and be free in this country. And uh, I think people have had a tremendous influence over it. I think environment has a big influence over it. You know, when TSA first stood up, um, you know, we kind of assumed the role uh, in the existing airports. And some of them were very modern and some of them are a little bit older. And we tried to shoehorn in uh, as much as we could. And you know, that influences things. And as time's gone on, we have seen that environment change and it's changing for the better. Uh, we have tremendous uh, benefits here in New Jersey. If you look at Newark Airport, there's a new terminal being built. Mm. Uh, and so that's a tremendous influence and it really, really helps um, us in our mission. All right. Awesome. Uh, with a short answer, tell us one thing that travelers <laughs> should not do. <laughs> Don't bring deadly or dangerous items to the check. <laughs> I mean, yeah, it's a go. basic, basic piece of advice. <laughs> it's a short answer straight to the point. Yes. And last question is what is one piece of advice you'd give to yourself 10 years ago? Wow. Um, uh, you, you got me on that one. I, <laughs> 10 years ago, uh, I was just uh, starting out here as the deputy director at Newark. And uh, I, I would say, I guess, take your vitamins. It's going to be a crazy drive. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, perfect. Yep. Perfect. Uh, Thomas, thank you for your time today. It's, it's Sunday. You came to us uh, on a Sunday. We really appreciate your time. Lots of incredible information. Like I said, lots of information that our listeners can, can use immediately on their next trip to increase uh, the efficiency of their travel time. Uh, increase the the uh, or help the TSA with their own work and their own mission. So thank you. Uh, we learned we learned about that. Well, I really appreciate it. I really mean what I said when I when I thank you guys for even considering TSA and this travel experience. It really means a lot. And you, you know someone up here in TSA now in, in New Jersey. And if there's anything yeah. I could do to help, any questions that come in from from your uh, followers at all, don't hesitate to reach out to us. Thank all you. Right. We really Will appreciate do. that. Thanks again. All right, guys, stay safe. Take care now. I have a, a great appreciation for the TSA. They're the unsung heroes of travel. Yeah, absolutely. I didn't realize, I truly did not realize how much they uh, protected and kind of controlled and over, oversee. Yeah. What put it in perspective for me was when Thomas mentioned, you know, I, I guess some of the criticism, and I obviously I didn't know this, but some of the criticism of the TSA was like that they're not they're not actually protecting us, I guess, or they're not 
um, like there isn't proof, right? You don't have proof <laughs> yeah. that they are because they're not catching terrorists. But then when he gave those gun statistics on how many people try to get bring guns on airplanes, and you have to assume that at least a small fraction of them would have done some sort of harm just by the numbers, you know, and knowing what we know about gun violence in the United States, it makes sense. I mean, incredible stuff. And so uh, if you're listening to this and you're from the TSA, thank you. Yes, absolutely. Thank you. And thank you for listening to the show. I hope you found it a little bit more respect for the TSA and hopefully you can actually do some of the things that uh, Thomas suggested to make the TSA and everyone else in the security line lives a little bit easier. So if you want to support the show, uh, you can do so by uh, going to our Buy Me a Coffee, and we drink coffee in almost every episode. It helps keep us awake and alive. Uh, If you don't want to uh, support us financially, you can do so just by leaving us a review, following us on social media, sharing it with friends and family. Um, we do actually have some Traveler's Blueprint merchandise now, and that is available on our website. It's through Redbubble. We got lots of different stuff from mugs to t-shirts to sweatshirts. I mean, Bob's wearing a hat right now. That's pretty awesome. Yes, I am. Yeah. Uh, they're, they're pretty cool. Um, and so thank you for being a dedicated listener. Stay safe, stay healthy, and tune in next week.